The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time here on Riviera Radio where we talk to Rob Kay yet again. How are you, Rob? <laughs> yet again, I'm very, very well, thank you, Howard. Yeah, I've had a good week. What about you? I'm good, uh, slightly cooler, so I'm happy about that. Anyway, the chaos we've seen at the airport since the holiday season kicked into full gear is one example of the problems which Brexit has created. And I also understand more and more people are now being affected by the financial changes that Brexit has caused. But before we explore how and where we can get our financial advice, what news, financial or other, caught your eye this week? Well, it's it's that time of the month now, Howard, so I, I think... Uh I should probably focus on financial news, which for for European residents was dominated by the announcement on on Thursday that the European Central Bank was increasing interest rates to a 22-year high, um, a decision it hopes will drive the bloc's tightening circle closer to the end. Inflation across the Eurozone continues to decline, but the ECB still expects it to remain too high for too long, as it described it. This week's increase was the ninth consecutive increase since July 2022, when rates were below zero. The increase took the rate to 3.75, a level it last reached back in October 2020. The ECB, Governing Council, expects inflation to continue to drop over the remainder of the year, but they also expected to stay above the what they thought was an achievable 2% target for more than an extended period of time. Now, on the back of that announcement, the euro fell about 1% against both the US dollar and the pound, which reversed earlier gains. Annual inflation in the the eurozone was 5.5% in June, down from 6.1% in May, but also down from 8.6% a year ago. Despite these declines, Underlying price growth is close to record highs and the labour market in Europe remains tight. Bizarrely, Christine Lagarde, the president of the central bank, said at the press conference, there is a possibility of an increase, there is a possibility of a pause. It's, uh, it's, a, a deci- it's a indecisive, maybe, which wasn't really helpful for anyone. Then on Wednesday, the US Federal Reserve raised US interest rates to a 22-year high as it continued its fight against inflation. The decision to increase rates by a quarter percentage point to a range of 5.25 to 5.5 comes after it paused its rate-rising cycle last month. US inflation has now declined for 12 straight months and is currently running at an annual rate of 3%, down from over 9% in June last year. Over that period, in an attempt to cool the economy and bring prices down, the Fed has raised rates from close to zero. Now, despite 11 rate rises, the US is most aggressive rate rising cycle in 40 years. The US economy has remained robust, employment remains strong, and the unemployment rate is still close to a record low. Closer to home, across the channel in the UK, the consumer price index reduced to 7.9% over the 12 months to June this year, down from 8.7% in May. On a monthly basis, the cost of a basket of goods rose by 0.2% in June 2023, compared to a rise of 0.7% back in June 2022. 
Now, aware from inflation and interest rates, the UK's Office for Budget Responsibility this week announced that the number of families paying UK inheritance tax has almost doubled over the last decade of the Tory government. According to figures published by His Majesty's Revenue and Customs, 27,000 estates paid the decisive 40% inheritance tax in the 2021 tax year, with the average tax bill totalling £214,000. This was up from 15,000 families back in the 2009-2010 tax year. Around 47,000 families are expected to pay IHT by 2028 because of the fiscal drag effect of frozen thresholds coupled with inflation. The number of people paying inheritance tax rose by 17% in the 2020-2021 tax year and that was before Rishi Sunak announced the freeze to tax thresholds to protect public finances. HMRC is unable to confirm how many people will pay inheritance tax this year due to how taxes are collected. But the growing swell of opinion is the Conservatives have failed to deliver on their promises to ease the tax burden. And we shouldn't forget, Howard, it isn't just UK residents who pay UK inheritance tax. French residents who own UK assets, they're also liable to it as well. So, do many British expatriates continue to use UK's advisors and have UK financial arrangements after they move to France? Well, Howard, if, if we need any proof, it's now clear. Brexit and on, on obtaining visas to live in France, or any other European country for that matter, is not going to stop. It's not going to stop Brits leaving and moving abroad. And why should it? Thousands and thousands of us have expatriated over the past few hundred years, and certainly well before the UK joined the EU back in 1973. Wherever you go in the world, you'll find British expatriates. It's not unusual for them to, to join British clubs and socialise with other Brits. Now, before we move, especially to Europe, the availability of this type of club is rarely a factor which influences our move. But in due course, for lots of people, the climate, the surroundings, fabulous amenities and the French way of life are just not enough eventually. We consider for a moment why lots of us eventually do seek out this type of, of club. It probably comes down to maybe familiarity, maybe security, possibly a need to be belong or maybe a need to be part of a team. It could simply be a substitute for not having close family close by. I've certainly seen those principles extend to finances. People stick with what they know, what they feel safe with. Being secure, especially financially secure, is a basic natural instinct and some people go to extraordinary lengths to maintain the financial rims that they had in place before they moved. Despite having physically moved, I've seen people retain their financial arrangements in the UK as though they're still living in suburban England. Many continue to own houses in the UK to, to prolong the pretense and continue to make UK tax returns. At one level, this is completely illogical because moving abroad was our choice. But if we think about this a little more deeply, from an emotional self-preservation perspective, these actions are entirely logical. Before I moved to France, I had spent 20 years working in the UK financial services industry, and some of that time was spent working for a French company. I thought I'd read all that could be read about France, its laws and its rules. But just a few days after I arrived, I realised my career was starting all over again. Before I moved to France, I didn't know what I needed to know to properly advise clients who live permanently in France. And the majority of UK financial advisors are just the same as I was. Many of the systems look the same. How different can France's income tax system be to the UK's? The answer is completely. 
the UK operates an individual tax system, whereas the French system operates on a household basis. The capital gains tax system, the succession system, the wealth tax. In fact, Howard, the more I think about it, nothing is the same financially. So if we expect a UK advisor with no French knowledge to be able to advise us once we become French resident, especially after Brexit, we're running a massive risk, which is now starting to seriously backfire. Did the passporting of financial services end with Brexit? Um, before Brexit, UK firms were able to provide financial services and advice to Brits living in the European Union through, not, through what was known as the financial passporting arrangement. In simple terms, UK providers regulated by the UK's Financial Conduct Authority had to meet the same minimum standards and consumer protection as their other 27 EU member states. Now, before Brexit, most of the general public were probably totally unaware of financial passporting or what its loss would mean. The UK is now free to make their own rules and importantly, the EU has no guarantees UK firms will meet the EU's requirements. Consequently, at the end of the transition period, the EU withdrew passporting rights for UK firms. The list of excluded firms is long, but it includes most UK banks, UK insurance companies, investment providers and financial advisors. Just as UK citizens lost their right to move freely around the EU, most UK financial businesses lost their right to provide banking, investment and financial services to their European resident clients. So if you live here, but you still have a UK bank account, an investment, financial products, and especially if you use a UK financial advisor, you need to find out if your financial assets are protected and if your arrangements are legal. If you do have UK assets, you need to be especially careful with your Surfer 3916 and make sure it's been properly completed or you could walk into a number of fines which you probably were not expecting. Does this affect all UK financial firms and institutions? Uh, that, that completely depends on, on, on how a company is structured and where it's based. Companies with headquarters in the EU can retain their passporting licences and, and continue to operate as they did before. Firms who are, who are UK-based but want to support their EU resident clients will have had to restructure and establish individual agreements with the financial regulators in the individual European states where they want to operate. As you can imagine, it's very complex, very expensive and a very time-consuming process. These combined factors, as I said previously, have forced lots of very big names from the European marketplace, which in turn has left lots of clients in the lurch with no support. We continue to be told financial service negotiations are ongoing, and maybe in time the, the UK and the EU might reach an agreement, but, but in the meantime, very few UK-based advisors can advise their European clients, which means your financial affairs are stagnating. Those advisors can't keep you up to date with developments and changes. Investments can't be rebalanced. Administrative matters are taking longer and longer. And pension companies just don't know what to do because they're scared stiff of falling foul of the rules, which are not written for this eventuality. Yes, I understand this issue can be particularly difficult for listeners who have UK pensions. Yeah, I mean, that, that's partially due to, to this ad advice voice I've, I've just mentioned, which, which, as we all know, Brexit created. UK pension providers know how their pensions work in the UK, but if, if the recipients are not now living in the UK, how should they treat them? Every pension company has a duty of care to treat their customers fairly wherever they live. Just because some of those customers now live in, say, France, they know 
what they would usually have to offer in the UK is not good enough and probably completely wrong. The UK is about to introduce even tighter regulation in the UK, which is actually called duty of care, which will be really challenging for every UK advisor. But that becomes especially challenging if your client is not living or a resident in the UK. Hopefully this piece of legislation will finally stop this balmy practice some UK advisors and advisory firms are prolonging where they tell clients they can continue to advise them when they return to the UK to receive advice. There's about £3 trillion in UK pensions and there's no doubt it's become just too tasty a target for UK governments of whichever persuasion that they are not to attack. If you've left the UK packed up all your belongings, including things that can be easily replaced, such as maybe your iron or an ironing board, but you leave behind a major asset such as your pension fund, it's just simply not logical. The UK has left the EU, but as yet the UK has not extended the overseas transfer charge to those of us who have left the UK, moved to France and transfer our pensions out of the UK. Earlier this year, the current UK government extinguished the lifetime allowance tax charge. But when pensions are crystallised, the lifetime allowance calculation still has to be done. When the Tories quashed the lifetime allowance threshold, Labour immediately announced it will be reintroducing it after the next election, which must happen by the latest of the 28th of January 2025. Now that sounds like a long time ago, it's a long time away, but that's just 18 months' time. The challenge for every British expatriate with a UK pension, and for that matter every non-Brit who has a UK pension, is what should I do? What are my options and where can I go for advice? But I would am very happy to say because Blevins Franks invested in our clients and in our future, we took the steps needed to be regulated in both the UK and France, as well as being authorised to provide UK pensions advice to European residents, so anyone can speak to us if they've got an issue with this matter. Are there other disadvantages if we hold on to UK assets and investments? Um, even if the regulatory issues we've discussed this morning don't affect you, there are lots of other reasons to think more locally for your finances. Um, UK assets are no longer European assets, so European residents will invariably end up paying more tax than they need to. UK individual savings accounts, more commonly referred to as ISAs, are not taxable in the UK, but they are taxable in France. UK properties liable to UK taxes, such as UK capital gains tax, stamp duty and income tax. They can also be liable to French taxes, including wealth tax. The UK budget changes introduced over the past few years will mean the tax that is paid on UK rental income will substantially increase over the next five years. If that income is taxed in France, less tax will be paid. So now would be a very good time to reconsider what investment assets you hold and how they're structured if you're now resident in France with UK assets. What about estate planning? Can taking UK advice result in paying unnecessary tax in France? Wherever we're we're tax residents, our our UK assets will be liable to UK inheritance tax. So extending the IHT threshold will expose more UK assets to more and more inheritance tax. If you're a French resident, whatever your will says, your affairs, especially your estate, are vulnerable to French rules, which could mean your test remissions just won't be followed and your estate and beneficiaries will then pay way more tax than they need to. Most UK advisors, and that includes UK solicitors, can't give French residents advice, 
Invariably, she or he do not have the required level of knowledge or experience in French tax, legal and financial matters. We shouldn't forget, in the UK when you die, you can leave whatever you want to whoever you want. That is simply not the same in France. Estate planning and succession tax minimisation needs expert professional advice and from someone who knows the French rules. What other benefits do we gain when we use advisors who live locally in France? Yeah, Brexit brought what I would describe as a, a seismic shift to the financial landscape for, for most expatriates. And it's never been more important to ensure your financial arrangements are compliant and suitable for your life in France. Using a local advisor who's experienced in cross-border advice will ensure you're not missing opportunities and they can help you identify, then achieve your financial objectives. Blevins Frax is fully authorised to provide advice in France. Our advisors live and work locally, so they have an in-depth knowledge of the tax system, the succession regimes, as well as the common issues that we all face as UK expatriates in a post-Brexit world. So if you'd like to discuss your financial arrangements or explore how you can make your finances more user-friendly for life in France, I would suggest you speak to one of our Blevins Franks partners. All the initial meetings are entirely complimentary, so to arrange an appointment or a telephone call, call one of our French offices and the central number is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And if our Monaco office is more convenient for you, um, you can call our Monaco office. And the number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And finally, if you'd like to know more about Blevins Franks or you prefer to contact us via the internet, you can always visit our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Always a pleasure, Rob. We'll talk again soon. Thanks very much, Howard. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. The UK Pensions Lifetime Allowance and Tax Charges have been abolished. Welcome news for those with larger pension savings. A future government could, however, reverse this move, resulting in limited opportunity to take steps to protect yourself. Blevins Franks provides wealth management solutions for British expatriates in France and can help you explore pension opportunities. Call 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com. That's blevinsfranks.com.